Hey, podcasters. Before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And I encourage you to speak up on your podcast as well. Take care and spread the word. Right up there with the meaning of life or the sound of one hand clapping is this. What podcast success metrics are important to track? The answer may be a lot more simple than you think. Hello and welcome to another podcast pontifications with me, Evo Terra. Look, you want your show to be successful. I want my podcast to be successful. And of course, I want all of my podcasts, clients, all of my clients, podcasts, there we go, to actually be successful. But how we define that is a big and sticky, sticky question. Now, a lot of the advice out there is centered around pretty obvious metric-based things, like tracking the total number of downloads that your show has, or for a comparative sake, track the average number of downloads each episode has after the course of 30 days. Maybe you should really care about the ratio of your free subscribers to the people who are premium subscribers, or what percentage of your downloads result into downloads of products or services. Maybe it's something more simple than that. Maybe it's simply how much ad revenue can you make per episode. All of those make sense for some podcasts, and all of them make no sense for almost every other podcast. Therein lies the problem. It's fine as long as you're podcasting for the same reasons everyone else is to use the same metrics that everyone else is, but you're not. More to the point, it's fine to track these metrics if your goals and objectives for your podcast are the same as every other podcast's goals and objectives, but they are not. You see, when we start tracking things like average number of downloads per episode, which I do, we're tracking outputs, not outcomes. If you know what ratio you have between subscribers and people who pay for something, like maybe sign up for your Patreon or your uh, GoFundMe accounts or whatever it happens to be, that's fine. But understand that you're tracking an output. You want to change just total, total downloads is the worst output of all, right? It's easy to get more downloads. Just go, just go make more content and you'll have more, more downloads. So these things are all just outputs and outputs are very important to track. Look, I want to know certain things. There are certain things required to make sure you're tracking towards a certain success level. But of course, it's, it's defining that success level that gets really, really complicated. What are you trying to do? And a lot of those 
outputs we get, when we get advice from other people, when we jump into the various Facebook groups or Reddit forums or Discord servers and we start asking questions, hey, what should I do? You're going to get a lot of mixed advice. You're going to get a lot of mixed advice because people have different ideas, different goals and objectives they want to do for their show. And here's the real thing to keep in mind with all this. A lot of the metrics-based tracking, of course, you can only track metrics, a lot of the focus on metrics, success metrics is what I was trying to say, assumes that you want to make a really, really big show. And while I don't disagree with the notion that most podcasters would sure love it if their show got really big and huge, I can't say that's always the case. I mean, just think about it for a moment. If you were the, and I was thinking about this over the weekend, I grew up in a very, very tiny town, and we had a newspaper that was printed every Thursday. That was it. One newspaper came out every Thursday. I don't know how many pages, I don't know, 10, 15 pages, something like that. But it had a subscription rate of everybody. <laughs> well, you know, it was a small number. It was a number in the, you know, small thousands, but... You know, that was as big as it possibly could be because there's no point in getting this newspaper if you live 30 miles away, let alone 300 or 3,000. So the, the size of that paper could is limited by the geography. Podcasts aren't limited by geography. You're screaming out there. I get it. But in your niche, it very well might be. You don't need to appeal to everyone. Maybe you've got a 14-seat restaurant. How big do you want that to get? You've got 14 chairs. <laughs> you know, unless you are deciding to open up new locations all over the place, and that's a huge amount of work, and maybe not why you got into the restaurant business after all. So maybe that's not the smart thing for you to do. Maybe you have a solo practice, whatever it is that you do, and you're limited by you. You're limited by the number of hours in the day that you can perform the services. So do you need to grow really huge? Does your show need to grow really huge? That newsletter, or excuse me, that newspaper, that 14-seat restaurant, that solo practice can be quite successful. The people that run these things make a good living at the thing without having it grow huge. They don't have to worry nearly as much about other big businesses on about things like inventory churn, capacity, uh, revenue per subscriber, all those various things. No, for them, what matters is something much more simple. And I posit to you that it's something worthy of considering for your own podcast. And the success metrics that these intentionally small businesses use is this. Can I stay in business? Period. The end. Is enough revenue coming in from my small town newspaper, from my 14 seat restaurant, from my solo practice, from my professional podcast consultancy, where I can continue to pay myself perhaps a small number of employees, put a little in savings, all of these things. Now, of course, this simple, easy business metric, am I able to stay in business, 
yes or no binary question assumes you want to be in business in the first place. And I know that not a lot of podcasts want this. In fact, the vast majority of podcasts are hobbyist-based, and for them, it's fun. So for them, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Can I stay having fun at this particular thing? The thing that I'm doing right now, is it still fun and exciting and enjoyable for me? Am I getting my emotional triggers tripped when I do it? If so, that's your success metric. If you need it to bring in significant sources of revenue so you can continue on to live, that's your success metric. I'm not saying it has to be one of those two. I'm just saying think about something as simple as that. Just tracking. Are you able to... I don't care as much about, like, am I paying for itself? That's one thing. Look, a newspaper doesn't exist because it can cover its own costs. Rarely do restaurants stay in business when they do that. It's not about covering your costs. It's about staying in business. Or it's about, am I feeling good about that investment that I made so that my emotional return is great? That's what matters. That's really the podcast success metric that matters. I want to ask you to do two things for me. Well, one of two things. It's going to be simple. One of two things. You choose. Option A I want you to right now fire off an email. No, not a tweet, not a Facebook update, not a comment. I want you to fire off an email to one person, one podcaster you know, who you are not sure whether or not they listen to the program, and tell them you recommend them listening to podcast pontifications. That's option A or one. Option B, if you don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. Would you mind supporting the show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash evoterra? That's it. Simple enough, your choice. Tell someone about it, a personal recommendation about the show, or toss a couple of bucks in the coffers at buymeacoffee.com slash evoterra. I'm easy either way. And I shall be back tomorrow with yet another podcast pontifications. Cheers. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, Access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, 
Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.Cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.